Hi, brothers and sisters. Uh, there's no doubt that these days are testing us all. There is much that we're reading online, some helpful, some not helpful. And at the moment, I'm reading that the opportunities that are being presented to Christians are fantastic. And yet, standing in an empty auditorium and speaking to you uh, on TV, I don't feel that the opportunities are opportunities of a lifetime. But no doubt, over time, we'll learn to adjust. I miss you all. We understand about social distancing, uh, and yet I'm probably convinced too that our presence online is going to have a far greater impact than we could ever imagine. But I miss the face-to-face -face connections, I miss the smiles, I miss the handshakes, I miss the laughter, I miss the encouragement. I just miss all of that, as I'm sure you do too. It's funny the things you read when you're sitting at home quietly. I was just rereading Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. And if you know his story, you can check it out online. He made this comment, the physical presence of Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength. And there is no doubt about that. We all hold that to be true. Um, there are many things right now that I'm being taught, in particular, that the church is not a building. If there was ever a time to realise that and to have that hit home, now is that time. Uh, the team, I'm really thankful for the great team that I work with. They are doing an extraordinary job and I encourage you to let them know that in, through, through all sorts of ways, online, emails, etc. Um, there is no substitute, I feel, for the gathered body of Christ and Shane touched on that last week. One day, we will be back together. And we pray for that day. But like you, many of us are adjusting to a new reality. Uh, I encourage you to speak of that loss, to grieve that loss. It, we're going to be like this for quite a while to come. Grieve the change because I have that strong sense no matter what the future looks like, there are some things we're experiencing which will stay with us for a long time to come. I'm absolutely grateful for things like Zoom, FaceTime, streaming, Yet, I'm reminded too of how our Heavenly Father felt the need for connection, the need to come into this world. We might remember those great words, the Word became flesh and made its dwelling amongst us. We remember those things. Just a couple of things that you should know. You've probably guessed by now that we've put the Hebrew series on pause. We will come back to it. Uh, next week, I'll share some of the staff changes that I'm thinking through uh, in light of the COVID-19 and the direct impact on ministry. Um, a shout out to all our members at 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 6 o'clock, all our kids, as Shane said. Hi, Samuel. Hi, Matilda. A special hi to Sue and Henry, who I've come to know who are in particular circumstances and they're struggling, so our prayers with you guys as well. Going nowhere. Rhonda and I, after prayer and reflection, have made the decision to no longer retire at this point in time. We will come back to that at some point in the future when things, in theory, have settled down. So we've taken that off the table, and I hope you'll continue to pray for both of us and the team as we journey through this. Now, let's turn our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I've just called this confidence in the midst of chaos. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, build your church. And continue to build your people. May our strength and resilience be as a result of your spiritual work in all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can call me strange. I'll give you a moment to call me strange. The books of Dr. Zeus for many years have been a great encouragement to generation after generation. Uh, one of the great joys of being a grandparent is that you can freely, freely revisit those books. 
and read them to your grandkids. Books like The Cat in the Hat, Green Eggs and Ham, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and Horton Hears a Who, just to name a few. And in fact, that was on TV only on Friday night. An interesting storyline. Go and check it out. Zeus's last book in 1990 fascinates me. It was called, Oh, the Places You Will Go. And it has a particular ending which I thought would be helpful for us to reflect on, especially seeing we can't go anywhere and we're all getting more and more isolated. It goes like this. Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places, you're off and away. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know and you are the guy who decides where to go. You'll look up and down the streets, look them over with care. About some you'll say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may not find you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and as footsy as you. And then things start to happen. Don't worry, don't stew, just go right along. You'll start happening too. Oh, the places you will go. You'll be on your way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers with soar to the heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you're the best of the best. Wherever you go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't. Because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say, but sadly it's true, bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in the prickly perch and your gang will fly on and you'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump and the chances are that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. And when I stop and think about our current crisis, that word unslumping, it just really gets it for me. Is it even possible to unslump ourselves in these times? How does one even unslump themselves and where do you go? Well, today I want to help us a bit to unslump ourselves by looking at the Word of God and reminding ourselves of that great line from Psalm 46 verse 10, to remember to be still and know that He is God. And this is a moment in time where we find ourselves, and my prayer is you're finding yourself in this place too, where the message and the Word of God will strengthen us in our moment that we're in, the crisis we're in. We need to remind ourselves that God is still with us. He has not left us. Uh, to be still means to come to the end of yourself, to give up, to let go, to stop striving, to stop trying to make things happen on your own, to stop struggling, all that human effort that we're often so used to. If anything, we're in a season now where... We probably have no choice but to be very, very still. And the question might be, what are you doing in that stillness? Where are you going with that stillness? This Psalm 46 was composed during an incredible time of a crisis, a world catastrophe. So to me, one of the ways you stay strong in today's world is to look back and to see how others in the past handled the crisis. Uh, the Psalm itself takes us to a certain place of strength, 
The world back then when the psalm was written was in turmoil, as I feel we are today. Uh, I doubt that any of us ever thought in our current lifetime we'd be seeing what we, we are seeing right now. We know generations have gone before us have experienced disaster. Two of the ones that come to my mind are wars and depression. Uh, my parents, grandparents, as you know, were in that spot, as I have no doubts yours were too. But this psalm allows us to face whatever may come unafraid and with confidence. Uh, the words mean exactly what they say. Our true security is found in God alone. Am I allowed to say it? Not God plus toilet paper. Uh, God alone is our place of protection. And so let's look more closely at this psalm to help us thrive and survive. Uh, it's divided up into three sections. The first three verses I've just simply called God in the crisis. God is our refuge. He is the unchanging God. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. This is the God whom we find shelter in. This is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, the God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. This is Emmanuel with us. We know that from the times we gather at Christmas. This is the one who we are called to come to to find shelter and rest and strength. Uh, this is affirmed by Jesus uh, in Matthew 11. When he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Jesus, the God who we know, who is always the same. Hebrews 13 captures that. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. And we can give thanks to God for that. God is enough for any situation. God is enough for our present situation. Uh, I know around us, as I talk to different people, in our own families as well, that people are in seasons of doubt, of disappointment. They're feeling a sense of despair. And yet before us, as the psalmist writes, we know of someone who's worked through tragedy, a chaos and crisis, and is able to have this, can I say it, this triumphant confession and powerful confession of trust in God. Which is why we see such a powerful picture painted in the psalm. We can see that from verse 2 and 3. Therefore, and get this word, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The picture being painted is one where all creation is being turned upside down. The whole existence of the nation of Israel is under threat. It's dramatic. And we who live in the Illawarra uh, south of Sydney know about mountains and sea because we see them all the time. This, is set, this scene is set against a symbol of what is most restless and menacing, a roaring sea. This is a picture of the final undoing of all things as we know it. Doom is at the door. And the point that is being made is that even though the world, as was known then, as we know now, is being turned upside down, maybe we even have a feeling of a sense of collapse, God is still present with his people. 
to be a refuge and a strength. And this should cause us to catch our breath, to pause. The great Christian writer Jim Packer said this uh, through struggles a number of years ago. Life in this world is full of highs and lows. It has always been and will always be. It is so in the Bible and remains true even today. He goes on to say this about the mature person who is mentally and emotionally an adult as distinct from a child. He says they know that life is always full of ups and downs and they never forget it. And they live their life in light of that truth. You see, if you leave God out of the picture long enough, I sometimes feel it's like you're like a rabbit in a burrow. Sooner or later, your vision narrows and you can never see the bigger picture. The times of trouble that are being referred to is when chaos slash virus is asserting to strengthen its power and to make us feel more and more worried and tremble both in the natural world and the affairs of humans and nations as well. All the things that we're witnessing today. And yet God's people, our community, we read, we will not fear. And this is something parents, grandparents, you need to share with your kids and grandkids. That great, we will not fear. We know of a God who is not threatened by the virus. We know of a God who is not backed into a corner because of the virus, so we will not fear. And while we are all praying and seeking, I'm sure, for this darkness to be over soon, I'm guessing we know it's here for a while to come. And what if it gets worse? What are you, how are you going to go? What are you going to be saying to others? Will you still not fear and trust in God? That is the call in those first few verses. The second moves us. The picture, a different picture is painted from verse 4 to 7. We see God in the crisis. Now we see God in the city, in a place that is very different. From the upheaval of nature, our picture moves to heaven. Here with God, the waters are no longer raging. The menacing seas are now calm and become actually like a life-giving stream. It is like they welcome God himself. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. In the book of Isaiah, uh, you can check it out, chapter 8. The city of God is one of those great themes of the Old Testament. It's referred to again uh, in Revelations as well. And what is happening and what we know is the Old Testament is pointing to a place where God is. We know in the way God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. We know Jesus also talks about a place and he refers to that place as heaven. He says that in John 14, a passage, a part of the Bible which we all know. In my Father's house are many rooms. And he goes there to prepare a place for all those who trust in him. And so we have this picture of this heavenly community gathered together. Verse 5, it goes further. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. It is here the picture is painted where the waters of life flow. We know that God is our source of protection. And now we see the location of that protection. 
Though the mountains may fall into the sea, though there may be turmoil, though there may be an incredible crisis, God's presence in the holy city provides this stability. God's presence in his world provides stability for all of us. Even on a day like today, when there is crisis all around us, when every day we read news that talks more and more about isolation, shops closing, businesses struggling, there's many things that we are hearing and feeling at the moment. But it's only God who can bring light into the present darkness. And it's important that we keep our eye on him and on the bigger picture. The bigger picture being, and Shane touched on it last week, the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. If there is ever a time in our world, and I'm in my 60s, so I've heard and seen a lot, where we understand more and more about moving from head knowledge of God to a personal experience of God, a heart change, now is that time. And I encourage you all to assess your heart, to ask yourself, how are you? How are you going? We need to have more than just a knowledge in our heads about what God has done and who he is. It needs to translate to a personal change of heart. And I think this is what you see in verse 7 of Psalm 46. The Lord Almighty is what? Is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is with us. That great phrase, he's not left the building. And for the Christian, the hope of restoration with God is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I wonder what questions you're asking yourself right now and over the last two weeks. Here's a question that came to me during the week. Can we all live faithfully in the face of our current crisis? Does our life with God as it has been and as we know it, does it transcend all our needs in this life, here and now? And can I add, at any cost... Our lives are lived in the power of his refuge and strength. And not just life now, but life in the past, life in the future. My life, your life, our existence. Can it be said of us as God's people and members of Fig Tree that our life now is not threatened by the imperfections and the brokenness of the world we live in? Because this is our daily life. What if I pushed it further? Is our confidence in God not threatened even by the loss of life as we know it? Are we still able to give thanks to him for who he is and for what he has done? He is still God in the crisis. He is still God in the city, in the temple, in the heavens. He's not backed into a corner because of the way the world is uh, responding at the moment to the virus. And then that last part, which I'll reflect on a bit more, those last few verses, which are just so powerful, from verses 8 to 11. God in the present. How do we understand this God in the present? With all that is happening, is it possible that God will use this current situation for the greatest spiritual awakening around the globe? What about in Australia? What about in our own city? And maybe this is something we've been longing for and praying for. Because I have that sense and we've seen that in the past and I am thankful for those who've gone before me. I can't imagine that God would turn things upside down when things are going well. Things are not going well at the moment. 
Could it be that God will use this for the greatest change across our globe that we've ever seen? Maybe this is why at the time of crisis for the writer of Psalm 46, he went further and said this in verse 8, Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. The psalmist is inviting us in to the presence of God to see what God has done, to see hostile nations subdued, to every crisis finally averted. And we are brought closer, yes, to a place of peace with God. He makes wars cease. And these words, don't forget, written a long time ago, are set in the context of a world disaster. To be invited in to look at God in the past, the God of history, is a wonderful thing. To actually speak about how we don't fear and how we can have strength and encourage in the, in the current climate is very important. God has not lost control. He has not left us alone. Here is a picture of what is to come and we're invited to come and see, to come and remind ourselves and we should be reminding ourselves of what God has done in the past. And you should remind those in your family and in your neighborhoods as best you can about what God has done in your life, in the lives of others. Come and see how God has even brought mankind back into relationship with him. I wonder if you realize that as God's people, we have reasons to be glad. We have reasons to rejoice, to not be anxious, to not be despondent when I say and the psalmist says God is with us that should encourage us profoundly it often takes me to those great words from Philippians the apostle Paul wrote when he said in prison for me to live is Christ and to die is gain he had such a correct picture of what this life was about but more importantly what his relationship with Christ was about and it's in this context of all that goes on that these words written by the psalmist, probably celebrated by Christians throughout the centuries, help us stop and reflect. In verse 10 we read, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is not in the first instance a word to comfort me personally. But it's actually, it's a word to a world. It's a word of rebuke to a restless and troubled world to say, be still. I am God. You are not. It certainly helps me personally, but first and foremost, it's to a troubled world that is struggling. Be quiet, he says. And God says, that great verse, the God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We know this. We have to talk about it to remind ourselves sometimes. We know that God has revealed himself in Jesus. And even Jesus' words read out earlier uh, by Peter, thank you guys, helps us trust him in these troubled times. Especially for those personally who might be worried or harassed. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, Jesus says in Matthew 6, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, 
and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, uh, much more valuable than, than they? And I tell you what, verse 27. Wow. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Uh, the answer is no, in case you're wondering. So that's why he concludes in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that true? Be still. We are not God. I'm not God. He is. Cease striving. Stop fighting against the trouble. Older people who love music could even remember Ry Cooter 40 years ago singing that great song, Trouble, You Can't Fool Me. I see you behind that tree. Trouble is always going to be there. Trouble is always going to come. And do not be surprised by that. And I'm just noticing talking to people as I stand in queues at Woolworths, which is at a right distance, you talk about how they're going. We are too easily troubled by trouble. The psalmist is saying, be still. It is well with my soul. Be confident. God's grace is amazing. Be strong. He is with us. Uh, stop. You, probably for those who know me, I can't help but use my hands when I preach. That's how I communicate. And it's like saying, Ian, put your hands down. It's okay. I've got this, God says. I don't have to stand there and say, well, look, oh, I'm troubled. I'll get back at trouble. I'll fight you. I'll defend myself. Cease striving. I am God. And often when trouble happens, we very quickly can respond emotionally. And I'd caution you about that. Our emotions are not the best way to handle our current crisis. When temptation strikes or troubles come, and they will, or disaster strikes, we should not be like those who've gone before us, or even, in that sense, like the nation of Israel. They were tempted to abandon God and to find security in the world. Maybe our situation today will force us to abandon the world, and guess what? Find security in God. Uh, unlike a book that's come out this year by Margie Worrell. She's, the book is called You've Got This, The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself. I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, maybe if I listen to Channel 7 at the moment and just keep replaying that we're in this together over and over again, that'll help. Or I could do what others might do and just play Brian Ferry's song, Let's Stick Together. Maybe that'll help. But I don't think so. So what do we know about God that can help us see striving? He will be exalted. God's reputation is at stake. And it rides on the back of our current crisis. Uh, we are called to trust in him. We are his children and he cares for us. What else do I know? We know that he has a purpose for us all, even during times of suffering. Uh, I love Job, part of the Bible, the Old Testament. Here is in Job 1, Satan working overtime. And God says, have you seen my man Job? And Satan says, yeah, I have. He's pretty impressive. But Satan also makes the comment, he's only like that because you are good to him. So take away all that he has. Infect him with the coronavirus, for example. Infect his family with the virus. Destroy everything that he's got. And let's see if he's still going to worship and praise and honor you. 
It often makes me wonder, does God have to buy my favour? If he took away all that I held dear, would I bail on him? In the midst of trouble, God actually says he will praise me no matter what. And so I know this to be true. In fact, Job says in verse 13 of Job 15, Though he slay me, yet shall I live, yet shall I trust in him. And thirdly, I know that suffering produces perseverance. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Could it be that as we go through trials and difficulties and struggles, that the main purpose behind this is to show the world that we will honour God and glorify him no matter what? You see, God is in the business of pruning and refining us. And the only way that can happen is through hard times. And you never, ever not want to have hard times because it's through those times that you become stronger and more like Jesus. And we also know, wow, that God has power to overcome all these things. Romans 8 captures that. No matter the complex nature of our current situation, God can take something like that and turn it into something for his glory. So life itself is like a feature-length movie. If you freeze-frame it in the midst of a trial, there is nothing but despair and heartache. So don't freeze-frame it. Let it roll right to the end. Stop striving. Have confidence in God because of what we know. Trust the God who manages the outcomes and who calls us to be still and to know that he is God. Now what do we do with our lives? A great question. Check out 2 Chronicles 20, the prophet Jehoshaphat. Four things we can do right now in the coming week. Step one, turn your face to the Lord, not to the trial. Look to God. Step two, reject all unrighteous options. And there are many, especially as you experience hard times and trials. Don't take matters into your own hands. Learn about how to respond to trouble. Things like revenge, self-pity, gossip, anger, hatred, choosing sides, no matter what the circumstance, is not the way we as God's people handle things. I love the way uh, Peter writes to a, a people scattered. He says in 1 Peter 3, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. As step three, think about what God has done in the past. And if you're there thinking God has never done anything for me, then look to the cross. Look to what God has done in his son Jesus at that point, dying and rising for you so that you can be in a relationship with him. And finally and fourthly, do what the prophet did in 2 Chronicles uh, 2. Verse 15, he says, the battle is not ours, it belongs to the Lord. Flee to the word of God in this time. Go to it. Despair is not an option. History shows that people of every generation have had struggles. History will also show there's a temptation during trials to flee from God and his word and to try and do things in our own strength. Don't do that. The people of God are called to trust in him at all times. And finally, remember... It is in the place of disappointment and disaster that we find the seeds of hope and recovery as we allow God to do his work within us. 
May that be so for all of us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you have not left us. Help us be with you as you're with us. And Father, as we do so, help us persevere to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.